Hmm? He said, hold on to my papers. <laughs> Go flying. <laughs> and they just might. So this morning, I just want to start out by asking a few questions. Um, not that we need to answer, but we just look into our hearts and answer them honestly with ourselves. So the thought came to me, I was thinking, how do I or how do we view people with a need? Do we kind of assess their situation and determine if they brought the problems on themselves? For example, well, if they were more responsible, then they, maybe they wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> and, um, or if they weren't so weak or focused on their own situation, maybe they would see God move in their lives. Now, sometimes we get focused on if maybe if someone is worthy of our time, our support, or even our prayers. Because I know that there's been times where you really pray and pray for somebody, you think, they're never going to change. But then I have to remember, I know somebody prayed for me, and eventually prayers were answered. So do we give up on people? These are just things that, you know, to think about this morning. And um, I just kept thinking after we were here Thursday and the songs and everything, and I noticed that a lot of them had to do with God's grace and his compassion. So it just made me feel that today there is a need for compassion in our society. And I'm not saying that we need to be compliant with people that are in the wrong, but we need to understand their heart and where they're at, okay? Um, there is a need for compassion, and compassion simply means loving sympathy or empathy. I like to define it as meeting people where they're at, okay? Um, so that God can intervene and make the changes that they need. A lot of times we think it's our responsibility to change people, but it's not. It's not our responsibility. Now, it's ours to show compassion and show Christ to them and lead them in a direction, but that's God's part. We don't change people. God changes them. So we just have to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to make that change to people instead of trying to be in charge of changing them. Because you know what? God doesn't work on our same timetable. Other people may take them a while to come around. You know? And um, I just want to look this morning in Mark chapter 5, how Jesus has compassion on people. So Mark chapter 5, we're going to look at three different instances. And it says, they went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had, even, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He says, My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again to send him out of the area. And then that's where Jesus saw the large herd of pigs that were feeding nearby, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to get into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep bank and into the lake where they drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the towns in the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. 
When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell, the, to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So this is the first instance where we see a man that was tortured. And he didn't ask Jesus for his help. But for, you know, he just went down and says, what do you want from me? You know, what do you want? What are you doing here? But Jesus saw the need. He had compassion. He had mercy on him. And it set him free, not only in um, the physical sense, but also spiritually it set him free. He was um, tortured for many years. So in the next instance, we're going to look at how Jesus heals the woman with the, with the bleeding and also how he brings a child back to life. I'm just going to skip down to, um, let's see. Now we'll start from the beginning, from verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came to him. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little girl, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touched his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in a crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling in fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has made you, has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And yet while Jesus was, was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they had said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home in the synagogue of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion. With the people crying and wailing loudly, he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he pulled them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So right here we see these three examples here. We see the man who is set free from his demonic possession. Um, he healed the woman's physical issue, and he raises a young girl from the dead. Now Jesus has compassion to meet spiritual need as well, because these people didn't believe. They didn't know exactly what would happen. They had an idea if I just reach out and touch him. 
but they had to believe that he would have compassion on them. He had to, they had to believe that there was going to be a change, there was going to be a result of their acting out. Even with um, Jairus, he was from the synagogue. He was uh, a Jew, and I'm sure that took a lot for him to even approach Jesus, just to think that, will he come? Will he have compassion because this is my daughter? Because I'm not a follower of him right now, you know? And yet, he did. He did not only meet that physical need, but he met their spiritual need as well. In Matthew 9.36, this is where these stories um, leave off, and Matthew just added a little bit. And he said, this is when they were going away then, he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I thought that was very interesting. Harassed and helpless. How many times have you felt helpless or even harassed? How many times have you felt like giving up or throwing in the towel and you feel that touch, that grace or the compassion of Christ on you knowing that he has you in the palm of his hand, that he holds you there? So and this is where we come in at. Um, if we go on here, where he, he uh, continues to say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to the harvest. And this is um, what I'm getting at today. Many times when we meet the physical need, the spiritual need is also met. So these harassed and helpless people are the same as us today and in our society today. There are so many people that are harassed, so many people that are helpless, and they need to feel that touch of Christ. We live in a world that Yes, as Christians, we need to look out for one another as well. And we're going to get into that a little bit more because we need to know how to treat one another and have compassion on one another so that we could reach other people. So <clears throat> we have to not look at outside appearances, but look within and meet the need. That's what Jesus was seeing. He, he knew that they had physical issues, but he also knew the heart and inside they had a deeper spiritual need as well. So, Ephesians 4.32 says, and they're talking to, we're talking to believers, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And I heard this a while ago, and, you know, and I thought about it, and sometimes it is true. Um, you may agree or not. It seems that as though at times Christians are first to kill the wounded. You getting it? <laughs> you know, sometimes when we see a brother or sister in trouble or they fall or they mess up, instead of extending that hand to help them, it's like, did you? We'd rather gossip. We'd rather turn on somebody instead of help. So, you know, it seems as that's what happens at times. So we would rather point and talk about them and uh, instead of reaching out and throwing them a lifeline and having compassion for them helping them come back to a right place and a right relationship. So how can we quit being critical and start being compassionate to one another? Well, we do have an answer to that as well. We're going to find that in Colossians 3. We're going to Colossians 3, chapter, 12, or chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now there's a lot going on there, and the key word here is clothe yourself. 
How many of you would leave your house without your clothes on? I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think anybody would, you know, because why? Because everybody would see us. They would see my physical flaws. They would see the good, bad, and the ugly, okay? And of course, Jesus sent us to open blinded eyes, not to cause blinded eyes. So <laughs> we have to remember that. So we put on, or we clothe ourselves, not to cover our flaws, but to overcome and understand others. And we can look at the mirror in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and what we see. We see our flaws, and we know who we are. So we know that we have flaws. We have to be compassionate when we see other people's flaws. Instead of judging them or saying, what's wrong with them? Why, you know, it's up to us to help, to be compassionate as well. So if we don't clothe ourselves with these attitudes, how can we understand others and their needs? And there's a, you know, that's the biggest ones, the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's people that had long suffering patience for each and every one of us, I'm sure gentleness because a word said in gentle kind manner goes a lot farther and somebody says well you should be doing this and you should be doing that that's not a way to bring somebody back to a place they need to be and also humility be humble remember where we came from remember our own faults and also again the kindness is what it comes back to now first peter 3 8 this is the last scripture I'm going to go to here. It says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And there's some great footnotes in my Bible here, so I just wanted to share them with you this morning. Peter lists five key elements that should characterize, should characterize any group of believers. One, harmony, pursuing the same goal. Two, sympathy, being responsive to others' needs. Three, love, seeing and treating each other as brothers and sisters. Four, compassion, being affectionately sensitive and caring. And five, humility, being willing to encourage one another and rejoice in each other's successes. These five qualities go a long way toward helping believers serve God effectively. And also, Peter developed the qualities of compassion and humility the hard way. Remember Peter? Remember how he was? We think about him in his early days with Christ here. These attitudes did not come naturally to his impulsive, strong-willed personality. And you can find examples of this in Mark chapter 8, 31 and 33, and John, 3, or John 13, 6 through 9. But the Holy Spirit changed Peter, molding his strong personality to God's use and teaching him tenderness and humility. Even the strongest-willed person can come to have compassion. If we just let the Holy Spirit guide us and teach us the way that we need to go. So when we understand ourselves and we understand one another and effectively as a congregation and as a group of believers show compassion to one another, people see that and we can be compassionate to a lost and dying world that needs to be shown com compassion and love today. So sometimes extending a hand may change a heart. Sometimes whenever we help somebody in their darkest hour, they remember that. But something goes on in here, too. Something happens in the heart. And we have to remember those things. To be an example of Christ is to be an example 
in compassion and grace because he has had so much on each and every one of us. Amen? Let's stand up and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you and praise you for your goodness, for the compassion that you have on us, Lord, for your kindness, Lord. We thank you that you help us to grow and be compassionate and loving to others, Father, to show a lost and dying world the way to the heart of Christ. Not that we can change them, so that you can change them to be who you want them to be, Lord. I thank you for each and every one here, and I pray that you would bless the day that they have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.